The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice and Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I am Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. And I'm Reverend Dan Beckett. And together we discuss ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth and your recovery journey. And so today's show is an interactive discussion. And if you're listening live, you can call in with your comments and questions. The number is 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. Facebook users, you can also connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, to share your thoughts and comments. So today's show, Know Thyself, is based on this ancient Greek wisdom that self-knowledge brings insight and understanding regarding our thoughts, motivations, beliefs, and ultimately our life experiences. Not knowing ourselves very well means that we have little insight into why we do the things we do, feel the way we feel, and create the situations that we create in our lives. The instability this creates can be painful, tragic, and even life-threatening for those of us walking the path of addiction recovery. Fortunately, Step 10 teaches us to make self-examination a regular part of our day-to-day lives. Today, we want to discuss how self-examination and self-knowledge can open the door and bring freedom and joy to your recovery journey, just as it has for us and for many others. And we'll begin by sharing our own experiences of of growing pains and instability in our own lives, and then move into the solution of learning how to know ourselves better. And then after the break, we'll share exactly how we used self-examination, self-knowledge to create lives of freedom and joy, just as you can also. You know, Dan, when I was reflecting on this particular topic, I was remembering being 20-something years old and thinking I already had all the answers. And <laughs> do you, you remember that? Yeah. You know, and, and why don't they, why doesn't people see things my way? And, and why aren't they doing this? And why aren't they, 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 they? You know, but by the time I landed in a 12-step recovery program, I couldn't figure out since I had all the answers, why my life wasn't working. You know, I mean, is clean and isn't being clean and sober enough? Doesn't that straighten everything out? And I found that that's not the case. You know, I found that uh, I had different ideas and perspectives that I had acquired along my journey that um, did not match up 
with a lot of the worlds. Yeah, that uh, that experience of knowing all the answers and then, uh, for me at least, finding out later in life that uh, I didn't know the questions, actually. <laughs> I had the answers, but I don't think I yet knew the questions. And maybe that's just an ongoing process in life. I'm, I'm much more cautious now about uh, thinking I know the answers to anything and find that uh, staying in the question always uh, seems better. But yeah, that um, early in life, we talked today about pain and instability. You know, if I don't know myself very well, just like you shared, I don't know why is my life like this? Why do I do this? Why do I feel this way? Why do I get mad when that happens? Why do I love it when this happens? You know, I, I know that I always felt, um, you know, I'm thinking back to the pre-recovery days that, you know, I was, I felt always behind, you know, when I think about instability, how, how did instability show up in my life? One way was that I felt like I was constantly playing catch up. I could never get everything done. Uh, and it really bothered me to sort of have my life feel like it was this endless uh, list of to do's and things that were demands on my time and kept getting added to. And, you know, that's one way that I experienced um, instability early on. Well, and you were talking about pain and instability. And for me, it showed up as all of a sudden, you know, I, I uh, quit drinking and using and all of a sudden my emotions are unmanageable. Mm. My emotions are unstable, volatile, you might say. And you know, I, my, my emotions were way out of balance. And when I say out of balance, meaning I had no control anymore and I was not on an even keel. It was like this emotional roller coaster up and down and up and down. And when I got to step 10 in, in the program and I read the spiritual axiom that said, in essence, if I'm disturbed, I'm the one with the problem. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like that. I didn't, I didn't, well, what's the problem? If you would only behave, if you would do this and you would do that, I would be fine. But that's not what that spiritual axiom said. And I didn't get it that because I'm the one with the pain, I'm the one with the problem. And my problem was my perception, you know, um, in another one of the 12 uh, recovery books, it talks about a loss of perspective and a sense of proportion. You know, I made little deals into great, big, huge deals. Mm -hmm. And I made, I made big deals into, oh, that was nothing. <laughs> you know, yes. I just did not have a clear view of reality. And that would certainly tend to create uh, pain and instability. That's what my, my experience ha has been. And yeah, that, that lack of perspective, you know, I had things, um, you know, partly of course, we, we all are kind of wired a certain way for seeing things a certain way. And then you add into that, um, the the skewed views that we get when we're in active addiction. And, uh, you know, it shows up in all kinds of uncomfortable ways. Um, I know for me, a primary goal uh, in my life for many, many years was to get to a point where there was nothing on my calendar. You know, I, to get to almost like a neutral place where there were no demands on my time, nothing on my calendar, nothing demanding my attention, you know, to just let me, leave me alone so that I can have some peace. And of course, just given the nature of uh, life and, and how it unfolds over time, you know, that, that was not a goal that I achieved very often, you know, maybe for an evening or even a week uh, vacation in the summer, for example. But, um, you know, the, the constant state of, uh, 
Im, I don't know, imbalance, discomfort for sure. Yes, instability. And, and looking back on it, uh, I, I could see that it was painful as well. Yeah, my experience was a lot of emotional pain. Um, of course, I had been unaware that that was the main thing I was medicating with with all these behaviors and and addictions and things like that was trying to stay out of the pain instead of dealing with it. And that was one of the first little tiny pieces of self-knowledge that I got, you know, that I had this concept that everything was happening to me, you know, that I was stuck in this why me, why me, you know, I'm doing the right things, why me kind of victim consciousness that um, set me up for the blame game you know, and it being everybody else's fault. And as we know today, when you're blaming somebody else, you can't change it because you can't change them, but you can change yourself. So, you know, it was critical that I got the information, that I got the knowledge that somebody else might have a part in my pain, but I'm the one that's perpetuating it by the way that I think and, and the way that I entertain this and, you know, the way that I enter into making everything into trauma or drama. (laughs) <laughs> right. I like the choices. It's one or the other. I haven't heard that before. That's good. Um, uh, another way that this showed up in, in my life or, or that I experienced this kind of instability that we're uh, talking about just from, you know, lack of simply from lack of understanding uh, myself is that, uh, you know, and this again, this is part of the way I was wired if you ask me, you know, do you want to go do such and such this weekend? I didn't know because I didn't know how I was going to feel at that moment when it was time to go to the movie or drive to the park or whatever. And and so I always felt like, you know, I, I had to say, well, maybe I'm not sure, you know, so I, I wouldn't have, I would have trouble committing or maybe I would feel at the moment that you asked me, that's great. I love that. You know, I feel very positive about it. And then when it comes around, why did I say I would do that? I should just say no. Every time anyone says something to me, you know, there's this part of me that said, just, just say no, don't get involved. Uh, don't expend your uh, energy. Hey, you might think you want to go now, but later you might regret it. So it's better just to say no. Uh, that was a pattern in my life. And, and imagine the instability that that caused. And that was absolutely a, a painful way to be. I did not like living that way, but I didn't know any other way. One of the comments that's made in one of the pieces of literature talks about how pain is our motivator. We don't have to be in pain to learn to do better and to seek a spiritual direction and to to show up differently in the world, but it sure helps. Yeah. You know, I mean it it sure does get us get us on the path and my journey always started with pain. It always started with what I don't want. Oh, I don't like that, you know, and it and it was from bad choices and from bad choices I learned to make better choices you know, and um, to, to spend time instead of this reacting, shooting from the hip, uh, what do I feel like to make decisions based on other criteria? Um, and, you know, and that was one of the key principles for me was to, to stop and pause and kind of check it out and, instead of just reacting, you know. And so one of the things that I learned was that in step four, I learned about my character defects. And in unity, we would call that our shadow side. Mm-hmm. You know, the ways that we show up that we're unaware of, that we don't realize are creating situations in our lives. And so I, I had heard about this. I had worked on this. And yet it still showed up. By the time I'm at step 10, I'm supposed to be better. How come I'm not better? Mm. Yeah. 
I'd heard, you know, something you just said reminded me of what a teacher had said to me that uh, has always stuck with me. Uh, suffering is optional, but it often takes a lot of suffering in order to realize that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that I just have to laugh when I hear that because that's absolutely been my experience. You know, I have been able to, um, you know, f find some new ways to be in the world, new patterns of thought, new ways to show up in the world that have really eliminated entire areas of what for me used to be suffering, but man, it took a lot of suffering to get to the place where I realize, oh, now I have a choice. It is optional and I can choose otherwise. Uh, another way that this showed up in my life, uh, what we're talking about these various, um, you know, expressions of, of pain and instability is that I had trouble getting things done. Uh, again, this is related to constantly feeling overwhelmed. So I would do the big things. You know, I've got, got to go to work, yes, and do that and do the big things that needed to be done and, you know, and generally keep up with life. But all the, like all the little things, I was very bad about, for example, repairing things in the house. You know, anything that even seemed like it might be optional got, you know, pushed aside as, oh, phew, here's the thing I don't actually have to deal with because my whole life was about, you know, things I had to deal with and things I didn't have to deal with and wanting everything to be something I didn't have to deal with. So I just had trouble getting things done. And, you know, that's not a, that's not a feel good place to be. I get that. I understand that. I still have a to-do list that's longer than is possible. <laughs> and I don't feel good about it when I don't get things, you know, don't get to cross things off of that list. But, you know, one of the things that um, when I arrived at this step, I was aware of my behaviors, a lot of my behaviors. Oops, I showed up that way again. I don't want to do that. I showed up judgmental or I showed up irritable or I showed up condescending or how did I show up? And I don't want to do that. But underneath that, for me, I had to start understanding the, the why, not just the what, because that's where it needed to change. And I had to become aware of what are my motives when I show up that way. What was I trying to accomplish? What was driving me? And there were things like, um, what's in it for me? You know, I didn't get what I wanted. And, and you know, the, the program language, uh, it languages it like this, selfish and self-centered. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know what that meant, you know, specifically. How, do, what does, how does that show up in me? How does that show up in the world? You know, that, oh, I'm trying to get my way, so I'm manipulative. Well, there it is again. You know, oh, I feel helpless about this particular situation, and so I'll go out and fix you so that I don't have to feel helpless. You know, I, I found myself in that situation and still like, okay, now what? It's like trying to talk to the fish about water, right? Yes. We, we uh -huh. don't know until we get some perspective uh, what, what that means to be, you know, self-centered, uh, self-oriented, selfish or whatever. But I have to say this though, uh, and, and I'm not sure why, it's like I can't believe I almost left this. I had a fairly significant problem with depression during that era in my life. I mean, that's a way that um, pain showed up. That's a way that instability showed up was a depression. And I remember I had um, from time to time, I would was doing some counseling and one counselor said, you know, um, alcohol is a depressant. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know, but that has nothing to do with anything because I was certainly not ready to take a look at that. That is true. So now we know about a lot of the challenges this pain and instability causes in our lives. What's the solution? In unity, we affirm 
that we create our life experiences through thoughts held in mind. And when we know ourselves, we can use this power to create the lives we want to live. This idea is so central to unity that it's expressed in one of our five core principles. It's, it's number three, which states we are co-creators with God, actively creating our world through thoughts held in mind. So what this is referring to is what we call the law of mind action, which states that thoughts held in mind reproduce after their kind. Using this principle in pursuit of self-knowledge is what we want to focus on today. So what do we mean exactly when we talk about the law of mind action, self-examination, and self-knowledge? I think for me what comes to mind first, and, and this is uh, in, in a way, um, you know, a, a nat- the, I, there are some ways that I am naturally that are in support of my recovery journey. I'm always grateful to find if I have a particular skill or way of seeing that genuinely supports recovery, I'm very grateful for those things. And and one of them is that I love to understand how things work. And so for me, when we talk about um, the spiritual principle of self-discovery, it's about seeing the internal mechanism. You know, what are the, what are the steps that starts with A and B and C? Oh, that's how you get to D. I see what's happening now. And, and to be able to um, arrive at some degree of, of self-understanding and see, oh, right, when this happens, I do get irritated because I'm feeling overwhelmed. Wow, now that I know that, uh, maybe I can do something different. So that that's what jumps to mind first. It's about it's about seeing the mechanism, you know, seeing the the cogs in the machine, if you will, how they turn and what they touch and how they make other things go. You know, I'm very much like you in that way. And what I'm hearing you describe is the power of order. You know, this piece first, then this piece next, and then this piece next. Oh, that's how it works. At least that's the way that I understood it when I was told to work the steps in order. (laughs) You know, don't be skipping around. Um, This one is foundational to the next one, you know, because um, they build on one another. And my goal, as I've mentioned earlier, because of all the emotional pain that I was in, was to gain balance, emotional balance, and to be able to show up like I want to show up. And and the power of order allowed me to do that in many ways because I could say, now what? And and I would be asked a question, have, have you eaten today? <laughs> How much sleep did you get? You know, are you angry? I the Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. I would be, every time I had this emotional wave, I would be asked a series of questions always in the same order. Have you been to a meeting? Have you talked to somebody? Have you seen your counselor? You know, over and over and over again to the point that I got, it isn't just a habit, but it's like, okay, this is the first step. Start here. Am I hungry? And make sure that's solved. And and that started me on the journey of understanding the foundational pieces to get this emotional uh, balance back in my life. Yeah, I can see that. And uh, I'm just thinking about, um, you know, how how it is I was able to, I don't know, comprehend or learn, really, that's the word, to learn some of these tools that we're talking about, some of these ways of seeing. Because, I mean, how do you, how does one, we don't have to answer this, but how does one come in, into recovery not seeing all this stuff? How do you even begin to see what's going on? You know, wh- how, you know what is this? self-discovery, self-knowledge that we're talking about and how do you get at it? You know, this was something that uh, 
I was very engaged uh, with that question. I, I know about myself that I'm wired for understanding. The drive to understand is the primary motivator for me. And I, I get that. I was getting ready to say, I understand that. That would fit better. <laughs> and I'm, I'm inherently motivated to be able to discern what's real, you know, what is real and true from what is not real, what is untrue or to discern truth from BS, uh, I've heard it say. And so one way that um, self-discovery works in my life is that it's very much in pursuit of that goal to discern even within myself, certainly, you know, wh what's going on here, what, what's, what's real, what can be let go of, what's important, what's not, but also in the world around me. You know, it, that person is saying, I should do this or implying I should do that. But that person saying that, you know, which one, what's real here? Is there, does someone have an agenda? Are they telling me something that's not true because they have some other purpose? Can I, can I um, discern what's real in this situation? And this whole process of self-discovery, you know, and there are many, there are many tools and approaches, which we'll talk about in a minute, but this whole process of self-discovery um, for me has been about, uh, answering those questions or being able to see those things. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm inherently, I'm, I seemingly wired from birth to uh, try to understand and to try and discern what's real and what's not. You know, self-discovery is a really interesting thing. As you point out, everybody comes at it from a different angle. You know, I mean, there are things I know about myself and there are things that only people around me know about me. I'm unaware of it at this point. And, you know, this, this, we all start in a different place. And mine was centered a lot around emotions, around feelings. And my self-discovery started with acknowledging, not just acknowledging, but identifying that I had a feeling. Somebody would say, oh, your face is red. It appears your blood pressure is up. You must be angry. And I'm going, no, I'm not angry, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, through a whole series of things, counseling and all kinds of other things, I began to identify that when I'm angry, this is how I feel. This is what my body feels like. These are the mo emotions that I have. These are the thoughts that are going through my mind. And, and that's a kind of an inventory, if you will. And so I, I then knew what I needed to do next, you know, and a lot of it was following directions. But many, many times, you know, in, in, in uh, the literature, it talks about a spot check inventory in times when you would otherwise get tangled up. And it talks about not taking the bait. I had to learn how I felt before I could quit putting my foot in my mouth. Yeah, that, I have that same challenge. And uh, I had thought that uh, I think I don't know if it's just a stereotype or if it's a truth. Uh, it, it seems that men we're not socialized to be conversant with our emotions so much. And, and I know that that describes me as well. I mean, in fact, I've recently gotten this, um, uh, a poster of this, uh, circle colored emotion chart, you know, at the very center, it kind of has the core emotions of, you know, anger and fear and joy and whatever, and then radiating out from there different degrees of, so, you know, am I irritated or am I furious? You know, and then of course there's a lot of gradations in the middle and I find it very helpful to be able to look at a list and, you know, it was a little hard to realize and, you know, Am I really this uh, ignorant about these things? Well, maybe I am. So let's let's just set that question aside and take a look at the list. How do I feel? Oh, I'm you know I'm nervous. That's you know one one uh, a, a light degree of fear might show up as nervousness. Uh, 
you know, or if I'm genuinely fearful, then that's a stronger degree of fear. And I have found that just, it seems like the dumbest thing in the world, but I found that just being able to look at the word and say, oh, I feel blah right there, that word. Yeah, that's pretty close to how I feel. I've circled that one in this moment that that helps me. Um, you know, just become more conversant with that. And of course, the benefit is that if I can more quickly, uh, you know, detect where I am, then that's a form of self-discovery or self-knowledge that helps support me in moving forward. I don't have to spend so much time just being there and not knowing what's going on. I can say, oh, I am, um, I'm upset. Oh, okay. Well, now that I know that, maybe that'll help me figure out what to do next. And that's exactly how that works for me. If, if I am on the fear spectrum someplace, I know that my brain has gone into the future and I'm projecting, you know, and I know that if I am on the helpless spectrum somewhere that my initial reaction is to try to go fix and that's not the right thing to do. And so by understanding, and I understand that if I feel hurt on any level of the spectrum, um, that I have projected that it's about me, that whatever's going on is about me. And that is the key then to which set of tools do I pick up in order to address this thing that's going on within me. And one of my first clues about all of this is when that it's out of balance. I mean, because there's normal expected emotions with life. But my problem was that mine were way out of balance. And, and the, the clue was when I had cognitive dissonance. I would be furious over something and my brain's going, that's not a big deal. What are you mad about? That's not, you know, the reaction, emotional reaction was way out of proportion to the incident that provoked it. That told me I had inventory work to do. What's going on here? Yeah, I, I call that, uh, you know, say I, if I get angry about something, then I get angry about everything. It's like, uh, you know, whatever that emotion is, all of its cousins start coming out of the woodwork. You know, it just drags every seemingly every instance uh, that whatever it is I'm carrying around with me, it's like a magnet, you know, all of a sudden, oh, we're angry. Well, I, hey, do you remember this? Let's don't forget to be angry about that, too. Um, one of the the methods that has helped me in self discovery is uh, simply mindfulness you know and we'll talk maybe after the break about how you know exactly what did i do when i say mindfulness and how did it help me you know, create a life of, of freedom and joy but just the you know to have some tools is something i find helpful so approaching something that can be kind of nebulous you know ill-defined self-discovery what is that oh well i can practice mindfulness or or i can get um, individual counseling or oh i go to meetings and i'm part of a community you know all of these things um, support that or i have a sponsor and i'm doing step work you know these are practical tools that assist me along the path of self-discovery. So let's hold that thought right there and we'll pick up after the break for uh, discussing these tools that, that help out. So when we come back, we're going to open the lines for callers and we'll continue this conversation. The number is 816-251-3555. Please stay with us. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. 
Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you enjoy our programming, we invite you to support it by visiting unityonlineradio.org and clicking on Donate Now. Help us continue to provide inspiring content to everyone. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. God is extravagant supply. Get that, extravagant. God is extravagant supply. He brings forth the best robe. He spreads a banquet table, as we saw last night, with good things on which we may feast. He overflows our cup. He opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing. And then this is what the Unity Correspondence Course said. Why are you satisfied with such meager living when you may have so much? To find out more about Unity teachings, visit unity.org. Since 1924, Daily Word has offered inspiration and practical teachings through daily prayer messages to help people of all faiths live happy, healthy lives. The magazine includes two months of daily affirmations, messages, articles, and spiritual poetry to help you get inspired. Subscriptions are available for print editions in large type and Spanish, as well as the digital subscription package that includes the online magazine with audio, smartphone app, and daily email. Get your subscription today. Visit dailyword.com or unity.org. Take time out for you and join other like-minded souls looking to build their connection to spirit with the Unity at Sea Cruise in 2019. Experience a spiritual retreat at sea as you participate in a special program designed to help you on your individual journey of self-discovery. Deepen and explore your spiritual growth with Unity ministers and presenters as you enjoy exotic Caribbean ports of call. For all the details, go to unity.org slash unity at sea now to make a deposit by January 30th and save $100. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore and other legendary Unity teachers with Reverend Bob Brock and Unity Classic Radio. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Central, Bob shares original radio transcripts from the Unity archives with truth students worldwide. Explore these timeless teachings and learn how to apply them to your life today. Listen live or on demand. You can also connect with Reverend Bob on his Unity in Action Facebook page. Tune in every Tuesday here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice and Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad that you're here with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, and I'm here with Reverend Dan Beckett. We're going to resume our discussion in just a moment. But first, we want to let you know that we're opening the lines for callers. So if you have a question or a comment to share, please give us a call at 816 816- 
816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. So prior to the break, we were discussing this whole process of self-discovery, and in particular, as a way of reducing this pain and instability that we create in our lives because we don't know how we're showing up. And I'm reminded of a... Uh, of a uh, line out of out of one of the pieces of literature that says the spiritual principles will solve all our problems. And so, Dan, you were starting to talk about that a little bit just prior to the break. And we know that this pain and instability shows up and that the solution is self-discovery. But how does this self-discovery process support us in creating this life of freedom and joy? I can actually answer that question. The answer is slowly. At least for me, that's been the answer. Slowly, that's how it, that's how it changes uh, my my pain and instability to freedom and joy. Uh, you know, that's what actually that's what comes to mind first. You know, I, I as much as anybody am totally down for a get enlightened quick scheme. You know, if there is a way to get enlightened quick, sign me up. But what I've discovered is that there really is no way, and that uh, it's. You know, progress takes time, or as we we say in the program, time takes time. And so when I was able to um, settle down, I guess, I'm not sure what the right words are, you know, relax into that or accept that or realize that that's true, that it's not a race, that I don't have to hurry, that there's no finish line that I'm trying to get to. I'm not trying to get ahead of anybody else. Uh, then, then I could just take life one moment at a time, one event at a time, one to do, uh, one experience, one day, if you will, at a time. Um, that's been super helpful to me. I mean, that that is a way that I've been able to shift um, pain and instability into more freedom and joy is just discovering that this is okay and this is, works for me. This will work. You know, I can do this. That's the self-discovery piece. I can do this slowly. I can do it exactly the way it actually is. I don't need it to be different. You know, I think what you just described was my perception of an event versus a process. Mm. You know, I thought I signed up for an event. You know, I'll get sober and, and my life will be great, you know, end of story. Yeah. And and that was not the case because, as we have talked about previously, I showed up with all of these old ideas. You know, I showed up with things I had been taught in my family, things that my culture uh, supported me in, belief systems, things of that nature. And so I had a lot of garbage, if you will, in the garage. And one of the very first things my sponsor did, even while I was still on step one, she started me on step 10 and said, you don't have to keep throwing junk in your garage. Starting today, stop it. And she had me start doing a daily review. She just called it a spot check inventory. If you get upset about something, write it down and then we'll talk about it. Oh, I can do that. You know, I had heard all of these stories about, you know, all of this time every day, inventory, whole list, <laughs> debits, credits, all that kind of stuff. And I couldn't do that. But I could quit doing the things that I already knew were wrong, the, the things that I already knew were counterproductive and the things that that um, that 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 showed up because of my reactions. I could stop, not do that. I didn't know what to do with it then, but I could quit behaving that way. 
Yeah, that, that what you described there about you thought you were showing up for an event, you know, get get sober, everything's great. It reminds me of that uh, title of that famous Napoleon Hill prosperity book, Think and Grow Rich. Like, well, yeah, you can get from A to B, except it's not B, it's L. You know, it's, it's step one is think. Uh, step 48 might be uh, grow rich. So let's now talk about everything that's in the middle because it is a growth of consciousness, just like recovery is a growth of consciousness and it takes time over time. Um, I've mentioned some methods before, mindfulness counseling meetings, etc. cetera. Um, wh- one way that mindfulness has helped me um, is to be able to slow down and get my head out of the future. I mean, just by being able to even somewhat reduce my focus on what, where I want to be, what's going to happen, where am I going, I, you know, out of the future, I want to be here, I want to be there, everywhere but right here and right now. Even just being able to reduce that a little bit, which a, you know, a, a mindfulness, a very simplest of meditation practices, mindfulness meditation, has helped me do, you know, that that just brings a little bit more of my attention into right here and right now. And that alone reduces my discomfort in the world. It reduces the instability that I experience and the pain that I experience in the world just from being right here right now. And so that's part of my answer is, you know, it's not the whole thing. Mindfulness meditation is not going to solve all my problems. Spiritual principles will, and that's one of them. And that's how it's helped me. That's a great point, that there are multiple, multiple spiritual principles and spiritual tools. And to date, I have not found a one-size-fits-all. You know, there's a lot of great starting points, um, you know, and a great, great supporting roles, favorite tools, if you will, that I always pull into play. You know, and for me, it it is bordering on, first, I have to understand where I'm at right this moment. You know, am I upset? Am I behaving badly? Am, how am I showing up in the world? And then based on that, I get pointed toward what is the next tool to engage. And uh, an awful lot of things for me have to be undone before I can do, which fits perfect with with unity uh, tools of denial and affirmation. I yeah. have to undo something either physically or in consciousness before I can move forward in a different direction because otherwise I'm just stuck and I'm spinning my wheels. So I have to become aware of how I'm showing up and make a conscious decision that I want to do and be something different. Then I engage the tools. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to make space for a new way of being in our, you know, in our minds, in our experience by letting go of something and then, of course, that creates a space that we can then fill with a, a preferable way to be, a step forward, if you will. An- another concrete uh, method that's helped me a lot uh, shift uh, from instability to joy and freedom is c- individual counseling. Um, I- I'm, a, I'm a strong proponent of individual, I'm talking about individual psychological week- weekly counseling. I think every single person should be in it. It has helped me tremendously as part of what I'm doing. And again, it alone is not uh, going to solve all my problems, but it is another spiritual tool. The, the way I experience it, it's a spiritual tool that helps me along the way. And the way that it helps me is that it gives me some perspective. 
so for example, the, the particular style uh, that I experience with my current counselor, and you know, it's different with everyone. What's important about that is just find someone that you're compatible with. It's not like one way is better than another, one person better than another. The person that works for you, that's a good thing to move forward with. Well, the person that I'm working with now, the the style is that I will almost literally monologue for about 40 minutes, you know, just sort of brain dumping everything that's going on. And then she will be able to sort of step back and say, oh, you know, it sounds like what I'm hearing you describe. And then in broader strokes, just sort of paint a picture. It's like, yeah, wow, that is. She heard me. And that's a really helpful perspective. So if I, when I do that each week, it helps me gain self-knowledge. And it helps me shift again out of pain into joy. Uh, and that's another thing in addition to the mindfulness meditation I talked about. That's another thing that I find super helpful. You know, every time I hear self-knowledge, I have a little yellow flag go up in the back of my brain because there is a place in the early literature that talks about how self-knowledge, that'll do it, you know, and then once again, one of the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous found himself drunk. Mm -hmm. And and as we're speaking here, I'm thinking about this is self-knowledge as enlightened by spiritual tools. You know, uh, it's not just, oh, now I know myself. You know, this is how I am. It's we are trying to change ourselves or we are trying to unfold ourselves or we, we're, we're on a path. We're not a, an arriving. And I think that that's what he was talking about was now I've arrived. And, you know, this for me is a continual unfoldment. And so this self-knowledge that I'm getting is not all by myself interpreted all by myself and supported all by myself. You know, I, as you've mentioned, the counseling, um, the spiritual tools, the, the prayer and meditation that we use, um, the perspective of other people around us, uh, spiritual guides that we, you know, and mentors that we may engage uh, to assist us. That's how we're getting a fuller picture of self-knowledge. Yeah, I agree completely. In fact, this is reminding me of the famous Unity book by Eric Butterworth, Discover the Power Within You. That's the kind of discovery that we're talking about. We're not talking about, um, you know, some, uh, uh, you know, brain level or under, simple, simply an understanding level because one could then, as you described, think, oh, now I get it. Now I'm okay. I'm done. And as soon as I think that, then I'm in great danger of falling right back to where I was before. So this self-discovery process that we're talking about is absolutely uh, a spiritually grounded path, just like the, the book Discover the Power Within You. you know, we're looking to that divine spark within us, that Christ consciousness, we call it, or the, the you know, Hindus, the Atman, that uh, uppercase S self that Carl Jung might refer to. You know, that is what we're getting in touch with. That's what we're discovering. And then that, of course, is what helps us live as we say, from the inside out, and that will lead me to a life of freedom and joy. And you know, for me, I it, the whole thing is a process. I thought when I got to step 10 and started taking my daily inventory and know how I show up that I could change it by myself. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, it doesn't work that way all the time. And so I would find myself back, uh, I, I call this like the four-step dance. It's, it's uh Step 10, oops, I messed something up. What did I mess up? Well, I talked about it in step five. What was the solution? Step six, make a different solution, you know, a different selection, a different choice, go a different direction. Step seven was, I can't do it by myself. I need some help. 
I need some spiritual help here in order to move forward. I try again. And, you know, that's one of the principles under this is perseverance. You know, we fall off, we get back on. We fall off, we get back on. We, we show up better, but not the way we want to. We get back on. We, we apply it again. We, we pray some more. We meditate some more. We, we do a little more counseling. We check in with a, with a mentor. And for me, it has been this constant cycle, if you will, of the evaluation piece lets me know where do I want to improve? Where do I want to be different? What part is making me uncomfortable? Which is the pain part and the and the insecurity, the 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 instability. That's that reflection allows me to know then which tool do I need to apply and what do I need to do next? Yeah, what you're saying reminds me of this uh, saying that I've heard, fall down seven times, stand up eight. You know, g- getting back up is what it's all about. It's, it's not, uh, in, a, in, a, in a sense, it's, it's not about whether we've fallen, how often we've fallen, why we've fallen. It's about do we have the tools and the support, which is both internal and represented in uh, others around us, right? Because we can't do this alone. No one can do it for me, but I can't do it alone. That's one of the paradoxes of recovery for me. Um, as long as I can find a way to, uh, you know, recover from any misstep, then I'm okay. You know, it's all right. I can move forward. It doesn't matter. I don't need to dwell on uh, what I could have done better. If I have an opportunity to do it better right in front of me, then I want to make that that better choice. But I don't have to ruminate. You know, I don't have to uh, lament the the wreckage of my past uh, when I do that. One way, uh, another way that I I found that works well for me in uh, shifting my consciousness uh, along these lines is is simply meetings, you know, community meetings, program meetings, and the other people that are in it, I always find to be a very, uh, spiritual experience. Uh, you know, the connections that I make hearing other people describe things that maybe help me connect something like, Oh, right. What a great way to say that. I know exactly where I feel that way too. Um, you know, what did you do? Let me learn from other people, some strategies, some things that have helped. And to me, you know, that that's a process of the divine speaking, through each and every person, the divine in them speaking to the divine in me and helping me make that connection. And so again, the the self-discovery there is I've discovered the presence of the divine in me. Now I can see it in you. And now when we interact, it's just a very uplifting experience because I can see it in that way. I realize that that's what's going on. Yes, and in that experience, we realize we're not alone, and we feel connected in a way that we are um, unable to really describe. Um, you know, it's described some places as the language of the heart. You know, it, the, the languaging that we use may be imperfect. It may it may not clearly state feelings or whatever, but we get it. We get yeah. each other's. Um, you know, and, and the other thing that I felt uh, has been helpful for me along that line is I can correct my behavior. You know, I have a strong sense of, of um, I don't know, keeping, keeping control, I'll put it that way, of mm-hmm. myself in the world. I can control behavior I know about, but that doesn't mean I've made any changes inside. And that is the problem that I have to address, is that I have these thinking errors that show up. Um, you know, um, 
Charles Fillmore calls them error thoughts, you know, and, and they're all kinds of things like I have to do more, I have to be more, I have to learn more, I have to show up more or less, you know, uh, and all kinds of things like that. And, you know, one of them has been judgment, you know, judgment, um, wisdom, as we know it in the in the 12 powers, is absolutely critical to our survival that we can tell safe from unsafe, for example, and things like that uh, in the world. And when it's overused in an incorrect way, it can make your life miserable. You know, I am applying judgment every time I turn around and say, no, they're a bad person. They're a good person. They're this, they're that, you know, and, and it's not at all in alignment with unity principles that we are all one. We just talked about being connected at the heart and getting each other. And I have that experience in meetings, but yet I have this thinking thing that comes in sometimes that goes, oh, don't like that. They must be bad, you know? And so that's the part that I have to work on is the thinking errors, becoming aware of them, catching them, and then correcting them. Yeah, this is reminding me how essential it is, and you brought this up a few minutes ago, that all of this be spiritually informed. You know, this is not, uh, as we know, just a matter of thinking that I can think my way out of uh, active addiction. That's not the case. But I do have to use my mind. I do have to use my intelligence, uh, wisdom, as you're just saying. And and I was hearing you point out the you know kind of the the dual possibilities with um, judgment. Is am I discerning what's right for me? Am I discerning what is what is true and what is real? You know, uh, from from a spiritual place, or am I in con- am I condemning other people? Am I using judgment in that? sort of way, not discernment, but in, in condemnation. And of course, there's a big difference. And we talk sometimes about skillful uses of mind and unskillful uses of mind. And I have the opportunity in each moment um, to choose a skillful way uh, or an unskillful way to apply any of the, of the 12 powers, any of the tools that we learn uh, in the program. Um, and what it's come down to for me like we're saying, is the question, am I, is, is where I'm coming from a spiritually informed place? And again, that's another way of saying, what's my motive here? I think that's an excellent point because motives, I, I have found that there's, for me, four layers to recovery. The top layer is behavior. I got to quit doing what I don't want to be doing and start doing something else. But that I can only do on self-will for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, underneath that is my thinking, because that's what drives my behavior. And along with the thinking is the motivation, the motives. You know, what, what's in it for me? What am, I, what am I trying to get out of this? What is, you know, am I being altruistic or am I, you know, what, what is my purpose here, really? Underneath that, though, is, is belief systems. And that's where I get tri- trapped up because my beliefs may not be conscious. I may be operating out of what Charles Fillmore calls race consciousness, or, or mass consciousness. I um, have this belief system that because of the way that I grew up and where I did and the things that were said in the home and what have you, that I believe something that if I were to examine it consciously, I'd go, well, that's kind of like, I don't think that way. But yet it'll, it'll erupt. That's the kind of stuff that erupts for me. You know, this is reminding me, uh, we're just now uh, past Thanksgiving, and one way that that, that kind of thing uh, sh- will show up for me, now fortunately it's very briefly, um, is, you know, for example, there are all these Black Friday sales, and, and there can be this great tension, like, oh, should I go? Am I missing? What if, what if there's a great deal and I'm missing it? What if I screw up and I pay 
you know, quote, full price for something when, man, if I had just bought it on Black Friday, you know, and you, you can just feel the, the clinging, right, and the tension and the fear of losing something that's just all wrapped up in there. And I have found that I, A, I am subject to that. Those, the, the, those thoughts and feelings do occur to me. Fortunately, I can very quickly fall back on spiritual principle and say, you know, I don't need to worry about, you know, micro-optimizing this or that purchase. I have everything that I need. My life is grounded in spirit and in principle and all is well. And then I can just let it go. But it, it's, it still comes up. And I still have to go through that process, even if it only takes a half a minute um, to move away from it. And so th- that's a belief system showing up in me. Oh, what if there's not enough? What if you miss out? You know, those kinds of things are, are showing up in me and driving my motivation and then my thinking. Fortunately, I stop it before, before the behavior and I address it at the thinking and the motivation level. That's a really great point because um, I know one of the traps that I fell into early was that it was switching addictions. I still couldn't control my thinking, and so I would get trapped in that, and then I'd go act on it. And now I'm all this, you know, dollars in debt, uh, credit card, you know, get debt and, and things of that nature. And so being able to intercept that has been life-changing. Uh, it's been even more life-changing to, to know what to do with it once I've intercepted it. And one of the things, because I'm subject to the same thing you just talked about, those temptations and the fears and things like that, I learn not to feed them. That's one of the tools I use is I choose what to watch. I don't watch TV. I choose a movie if I'm going to watch it or um, you know uh, Netflix or what have you. I choose what to listen to. I pick my music on CDs and what have you. I don't, I don't allow these things that stir up things I know I'm susceptible to into my brain to start with. It's kind of a garbage in, garbage out theory. You know, I I don't want that stuff running around inside my head. And so one of the choices I made was to not expose myself to that, Not, not to expose it by chance. I expose it on purpose. That reminds me of a saying that I heard that stuck with me in the program is if you hang, if I hang around the barbershop long enough, I'm going to get a haircut. And we're talking about changing people play, you know, in places like, well, don't go to the places that you used to go if, if you drank, because why would you do that? It's just going to make your life more difficult. Uh, yeah, I don't want to hang around the barbershop if I want to avoid getting a haircut. One thing that I learned that helps me a lot is that, um, and this is a you know a matter of self-discovery that that how I feel in any given moment is not the whole story of what's going on. That's just the the tip of the iceberg. That's just the piece that's showing up right here and right now. And just like the weather, you know, we always joke if you don't like the weather in where I live, just wait and it'll change. Uh, the way I feel will change. It always does. It inevitably does, whether it's a high or a low. Um, it will shift and change and learning that how I feel in a moment in any moment is not the whole story has helped me a lot. That bit of self-discovery. You know, I think that this, this whole step and these spiritual principles for me has been critical to understand that my life does not have to run on emotion and allow me to run it by spiritual principles instead. Absolutely. So now let's shift gears and move 
into action. You know, our fifth unity principle says it's not enough to know all these things. We must live them. That means we've got to each take action in order to grow and recover. So here's something that you can do this week to move from any pain and instability that you're experiencing in your life to a life of freedom and joy using this principle of self-discovery, self-knowledge. So think of a habit, a habit of mind, some mental pattern that you have that seems to keep creating trouble for you. Maybe it has something to do with worrying about having enough, or maybe you're too self-critical. Or do you spend too much time silently solving other people's problems? Or maybe you get irritated when people don't respond the way that you think they should. There are lots of possibilities, but what's important is to pick one thing, preferably something simple, to take into a quiet time of prayer and meditation to consider. So we simply relax and take it easy. Uh, As an example for right now, let's use a habit of getting into other people's business or what we call taking people's inventory. I don't know anyone who hasn't done this at least a little. And then we use a statement of power or what we refer to in unity as a denial to deny any power to this unhelpful habit. And you could say something like, how other people conduct their lives is none of my concern. Repeat it a few times in your head or even say it aloud and say it with conviction. How other people conduct their lives is none of my concern. And then we follow that up immediately with a bold and positive affirmation of a new experience. So I could say, for example, I see the very best in others. I know they're doing what's right for them just like I am. And so then take just a few quiet moments to relax and take it easy. There's no need to struggle with this. Just give thanks for your new experience in the world and then move on with your day. How other people conduct their lives is none of my concern. I see the very best in others. I know they're doing what's right for them, just like I am. So we've come to the end of our time together today, and we hope that you found something to help you on your recovery path. And we both bless you on your journey. Thank you for listeners and callers, and thank you so much to my co-host, Reverend Dan Beckett, for the insights shared in our discussion today. And listeners, if you would like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. We invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.